that Harlem night. Gonna turn it up, please. Them Harlem nights. Gonna turn it up, please. I done fell in love with. Gonna turn it up, please. Them Harlem nights. Party at the bodega. What's up, everybody? This is your man, Benz Pharrell, with Thinking Out Loud. How's everybody doing out there? I hope everybody's doing fabulous. Yes, sir. All right, let's get to it. Nevada tribal ranger was plowed, who plowed through a burning man climate blockade and drew a weapon under scrutiny. All right, a Nevada tribal ranger. In other words, for you people who don't understand, a police officer, a goddamn trooper for a tribal area, a terrain. All right, so a tribal ranger is under review after drawing his weapon on a nonviolent environmental protesters and driving through their blockade. Pyramid Lake Power 2 or Parate tribe reservation was the scene of an altercation when tribal rangers tried to break up a climate protest blocking miles of traffic in northern Nevada's Black Rock Desert ahead of the annual Burning Man Festival. Footage taken Sunday at the beginning of the annual gatherings shows a law enforcement vehicle smashing into a sign that reads, Burners of the World Unite and a trailer set up across the road behind, all right? At one point, a tribal ranger is seen pulling a weapon on the unarmed climate activists. It is not clear whether the weapon was a taser or a firearm. We are not violent, please. We have no weapons at all. We are environmental protesters. A woman is heard yelling as police handcuff one of the demonstrators. In the build-up to the police response, the same woman appears to have chained herself to the trailer, which members of the public are seen trying to move so traffic can start flowing again. The involved ranger's conduct is under review. All right, the involved ranger conduct is under review. A press release from the tribe reports the Climate Activist Coalition Seven Circles which organized the disruptive protests, accused the authorities of police brutality in a statement released after the arrest. The excessive response is a snapshot of the institutional violence and police brutality that is being shown to anyone who is actively working to bring about systemic change within the United States, including the climate movement, the statement stated. It was just unfortunate that they would block the main highway like that. Tribal Chairman James L. Phoenix said in an interview with the uh, news sources. All right, he added, "It's not like you know, you're just out in the middle of nowhere, and there's no one else to be there. We have a lot of miles and miles of cars. If you learn more about Burning Man, you'll see how busy it is." All right. It's an area. All right, so the guy, the police officer, the tribal range is under review after drawing his weapon on nonviolent environmental protesters and driving through their blockades. All right, some of you people have probably seen it on the goddamn news, Fox News or CNN. Um, I ain't seen it on social media. So, like the pyramid lake. 
Pawatu tribe or Pawate, a Pay Ute. I don't know how they say it, but Pyramid Lake Pay Ute tribe reservation was the scene of an altercation when tribal rangers tried to break up a climate protest blocking miles of traffic in the northern Nevada's Black Rock Desert ahead of the annual Burning Man Festival. Footage taken Sunday at the beginning of that annual gathered shows. Gathering shows a law enforcement vehicle smashing into a sign that reads, Burners of the World Unite, in a trailer set up across the road behind it. All right, so at one point, a tribal ranger is seen pulling a weapon on the unarmed climate activist. It is not clear whether the weapon was a taser or a firearm. We are not violent, please. We have no weapons at all. We are environmental protesters. A woman is heard yelling as police handcuff one of the demonstrators. In the build-up to the police response, the same woman appears to have chained herself to one of the trailers, which members of the public are seen trying to move so traffic can start flowing again. All right? So a lot of people, a lot of protesters for, like, climate change and our environmental situations that's going all over on around the world you know so some people will get some like commuters that's going places they get very annoyed about that hey they should have something going to gps or uh how you call it there's you know on your phone got like a gps thing where they tell you if there's traffic uh in certain routes and stuff like that uh I don't have nothing against the protesters and stuff like that. And climate change is like a thing and stuff, but I don't know. But the 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 climate change is a thing. It is. But this ain't about climate change. This is about environmental stuff. Like I'm I'm I understand what the protesters are doing. I completely understand because uh, the simple fact that. Uh, like developers, land developers are taking up too many lands, too much lands uh, to develop new buildings and new properties and stuff like that. I think that's awful and it's disturbing. And if you're gonna build more land, you should build something uh, feasible for people that are unfortunate to pay rent. Like, that's the only land development that I would concur with. But building more businesses to make more money off of the economy, I think that's atrocious. I mean, it's, it's disgusting. So that's just how I feel about that right there. But I'm going to keep it moving. Let's go. Navy vet. Brutally mug in Philadelphia while walking his dog gets 100 stitches. Jesus Christ, what the hell? A, re a retired Navy commander, Scott Harris. All right. A retired Navy commander was sent to the hospital and needed at least 100 stitches after he was brutally mugged in the city of brotherly love. Philadelphia police are searching for a suspect after victim scott harris was attacked late saturday night while taking his dog for a walk the incident happened near the intersection of 30th and jefferson streets in the brewer town neighborhood 
All right. I know Philadelphia, so I know exactly where that's at. 30th and Jefferson. That's close to Center City and Philadelphia. All right. You can test me all you want to, ladies and gentlemen, but I know and been all around this country, this great country called America. Anyway, Harris told the news sources he was walking his dog, Nora, near a local play, a playground where he got jumped at. Um, his head was injured in the attack, and he cannot remember much of what happened. Large party... I think what he's trying to say, a large party was going on across the street uh, that in hindsight, I probably should not have walked near. Next thing I remember, I'm in the ER because I kind of blacked out after all of that. So he don't remember too much. Police said Harris' wallet containing credit cards and his ID were stolen in the mugging. Authorities have not released a description of the attacker. An ambulance took Harris to the hospital Saturday night where he was treated for a brain injury, broken teeth, and severe swelling and bruising in the face. The surgeon said he stopped counting at 100 stitches. Uh, Harris told news sources, many of which were put inside of his mouth. I did a year in the war zone in Iraq, did two years in Ukraine, and would not have expected this to happen in my own neighborhood. Well, if you don't know now, you know, Mr. Harris. The victim's partner, Joseph Herchick, said he was home at the time of the attack and believes the perpetrator was someone from the large party at the playground. His surveillance camera filmed Three women helping Harris and Nora home. All right. They brought him back. Otherwise, I don't know what would have happened. Her chick told news sources we were on the stoop and he was just bleeding. I was on the phone with 911 because I didn't know where the blood was coming from. I didn't know if he was stabbed or what. The couple said police have failed to respond to their multiple complaints about large and out-of-control crowds from outside the neighborhood throwing late-night parties at the playground. This is what happens when something is not policed, and it could happen. It could have been worse, Herchick said. It's going to take a murder for this to stop. Harris and Herchick had lived in Brewer Town for four years and once considered the park across the street a selling point for their home, but not anymore. I want more of a police presence or lock the park up at night, Herchick stated. Just patrol the neighborhood. It's really upsetting because you want to feel safe at home, said Harris. All right, so a Navy commander, ex-Navy commander got jumped. It was a big party over there on Jefferson Street. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was a bunch of young adults that did this to him and things and looked at him like he was a lick or something. Like, are we finna get that old dude right then? And then he ran up on him and jumped. But I don't think it's that much police presence anywhere because it's not too many people joining in the police academy. You know? So they're probably going to have to change the structure and how to get people to, um, uh, how to get people to like uh, recruit people to come into the police academy 
And and plus, understand this, America. Uh, the police academy, I think a first-year officer only makes about 30000 to 35000 a year, 36000 a year. And that's extremely bad for, for somebody to put their life on the line. So I'm going to have to change that. And like I said, uh, I said this time and time again, police officers should have more than an associate degree to be in a police academy. I feel like a police officer should have uh, not the bachelor's, but at least their master's and then get into the police force. Uh, criminal law, criminal law justice. I believe you got to have your master's and these people should get paid at least 110000 a year, maybe 120000 a year starting. That's, that makes sense. And I'm pretty sure a police officer will take their job a little bit more serious. But working 35000 a year at first, being a police officer, does not make sense. I don't even think an individual would take their job seriously at all. Because 30000 you might as well work at Walmart. And you see how all of the sales associates look like when you walk up in Walmart. So I could just imagine how a police officer feel. So you got to change the whole structure, the whole infrastructure on how police officers get treated in the academy and, and the police station and the police force because police force is something serious. You know, if you want somebody to police the neighborhood, you got to give them serious money, all right? And I'm pretty sure the police officers will take their job way more serious because there's a lot of police officers or that's not good people, all right? There's police officers I know for a fact that do criminal activity outside of their jobs. I know that for sure, you know? Like, I'm not scared to say what I'm saying, and I'm not saying any lies because this is a fact. These are things that I've seen with my two eyes, bro. Like police officers getting paid they first, they first two, three years, they only getting paid 30000 36000 That's not no money. You can't take care of nobody with $36,000. I mean, what if a male police officer get a woman pregnant? What you expect to come from that police officer? He's going to be under a lot of stress. And then police officers, the, um, um, how you call it when, when divorce, the divorce rate for a police officer is extremely high. Like, think about it. All right, moving along. I got updates on a uh, building superintendent fatally stabs his wife, kids, and a murder-suicide before a job change. This is an update because I did cover this, all right? So New York City police have released the identities of a mother, her two children, under three, and her, and her building superintendent husband, who they say murdered them using kitchen knives before fatally stabbing himself in the neck. All right, so Edison Lopez, 41 years old, left his wife, uh, I can't say her name, Alexandra Wittex, 40 years old, uh, three-year-old Calvin and one-year-old Lucian near the front door of their Upper East Side apartment on Manhattan's 
West 86th Street before stabbing himself once fatally on his bed. Police stated he did not leave a note, police said, or post anything telling on social media before the incident. Uh, Lopez's father, Mario Lopez, reportedly notified the police on Monday after spotting the grisly scene, specifically Wittex or Wittez's lifeless body by knocking out the apartment's peephole when he hadn't heard back from his son. The grandfather said his wife was scheduled to take care of the youngest child that day around 9.30 in the morning when she got no answer to her knocks. Calls and texts, she called the elder Lopez to investigate. Police said there were no previous reports of domestic violence or 911 calls to address to that particular address. Neighbors and friends of the family reportedly told police that the family was very loving and that there were no outward signs of trouble, according to the New York Police Department Chief of Patrol John Tell. We saw them inside, Mario Lopez told uh, the news sources as he held back tears. They were already dead. Whatever happened, happened maybe the day before. Earlier that day, police said Lopez took his children and a neighbor to the nearby Entropy Sea Air and Space Museum. Lopez, who grew up in the building, was leaving his position to become a super at a building in Hastings on Hudson, a Westchester County suburb, police stated. We're looking into the fact that he was leaving that position on 86th Street to take a job in Westchester County. Chell said, suggesting that the new position and relocation could have been a source of stress for the father. With text, known as Ola, was a teacher at the nearby Rodef Shalom School, or Sholem School, uh, so that's the updates because I covered this and this is the same apartment where it was a murder suicide where two kids was dead and a uh, adult woman. And then they said the guy who uh, Edison Lopez, 41 years old, he left his wife, Alexandra Wittex, 40 years old, and his three year old Calvin and a one-year-old Lucian near the front door of their Upper East Side apartment on Manhattan's West 86th Street before stabbing himself once fatally on his bed. All right, he stabbed himself in the neck. He ain't leave no notes. He didn't put anything on social media before the incident, so he just did it. Uh, they said that the cause, what probably was, what motivate um, Mr. Lopez to do what he did? Uh, probably because he had to move or he took on a new job, but that doesn't sound correct anyway. Now, this is a very complex situation. I don't know what made this person want to kill his family, then himself. I don't even know what compels a person to do such uh, things like that, of that nature. Uh, but those are the updates. If you go down my timeline on this podcast uh, platform that I got, you'll find out that the more details of it.
but I'm going to keep it moving. I see Democrats amidst liberal crime bill has been a big mistake as disturbing trend emerges. I'm looking at other stories. I don't know if I'm going to talk about that right now. Oklahoma deputy allegedly shot and killed by fellow deputy husband. I think I covered that one too. But there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Uh, Hurricane Ida Leah. Oh, yeah, there's another funny one right here. These robbed councilman as he was speaking about surging crime and twists of a cruel irony. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I already talked about the stuff that happened in Nevada. I'm looking for uh, more reports. Uh, let me see. Let me see. There's a bunch of stuff right here. Deadly hurricane Adelia digs inland, drowning southeast and floodwater following historic Florida landfall. Uh, Keaton Beach, Florida, raging hurricane Adelia officially made an unprecedented and historic landfall Wednesday along Florida's Gulf Coast, blasting destructive winds and catastrophic storm surges and flash floods as power outages climbing to over 400,000 utility customers. The Category 3 storm made landfall on the coast of Florida's Big Bend near Keaton Beach at 7.45 in the morning local time with its 125 miles per hour winds and significant, significant flooding. It posed an immediate threat to lives and properties. The storm has now weakened to a Category 1 hurricane with winds of 75 miles per hour as it lashes out on Georgia and the Carolinas with hurricane-force winds. As of the latest advisory from the National Hurricane Center, the center of Idalia had moved to the northeast at 10 miles per hour and crossed into southern Georgia where a flash flood emergency was issued around Valdosta. Okay, so even after Idalia's eye has left the Sunshine State, the National Hurricane Center is forecasting significant storms. All right, significant storm surge impacts to continue through the evening for the Gulf Coast. Damaging hurricane force winds are forecast for Georgia and Southern South Carolina through Wednesday night, and flooding impacts could continue through Thursday. Right, while Governor Ron DeSantis told so, um, news sources Wednesday afternoon during a news conference that there were no confirmed fatalities, the Florida Highway Patrol said two men died in separate rain-related crashes in Gainesville and Pasco County due to Ida Leah's one-man's pickup truck swerved and crashed into a tree while the other man lost control and hit a tree with his truck. We don't necessarily have any confirmed fatalities yet, but that very well may change, uh, Governor DeSantis stated. Uh, the news weather, uh, uh, the news weather said Idalia was the strongest hurricane to strike the Big Bend area, especially near Cedar Key 
and 125 years dating back to an unnamed 1896 storm. The governor said he believes Hurricane Ian was more deadly because of the path of the storm, and people evacuated when Ida Leah's storm surge was forecast to be between 10 and 15 feet. I can tell you with Hurricane Ian, as soon as that storm hit within an hour after hitting, there was there were frantic phone calls to 911 locally there for of people that were literally drowning in their house. DeSantis recall of Lee County, Florida, when Ian made landfall. I think part of this is that when you see storm surge of that nature, like we saw during Ian, I think a lot of people really heeded the warnings that their local officials issued because you know you can't hide from the storm surge in your house, DeSantis stated. You damn sure can't. Hurricane Idalia charges east through Georgia Carolinas after lashing Florida's Gulf Coast with, thre with threatening storm surge and extreme winds, Idalia rushed inland, triggering rare extreme wind warnings for four different counties north of the bend, including a swath of Interstate I-10. I mean, Interstate 10. I said, I, I use double goddamn words. I meant to say Interstate Interstate 10 or I-10. All right, so, yeah, it's, it's hitting Atlanta and South Carolina. It's already at South Carolina. Uh, it passed through Jacksonville. Uh, it hit Tampa. I'm looking at the, uh, I'm looking at the radar system. So, it hit the Gulf, like Tallahassee got hit, Jacksonville. Right now, it's running through southern uh, Georgia. I'm pretty sure that area, because I know Georgia real good. So, uh, what's that spot right there? Augusta, Georgia. I think Augusta, Georgia got hit real bad. And then you got Charleston. Idalia roared into southern Georgia, still threatening hurricane force gusts. Valdosta and Savannah remained under hurricane warnings into Wednesday afternoon. Valdosta hit a gust of 67 miles per hour and was under a rare flash flooding emergency, the news sources reports. Idalia will move near southern South Carolina by Wednesday night threatening widespread tropical storm force winds across the coastal Carolinas into Thursday before the storm finally moves into the Atlantic. Before the monstrous storm's arrival, the National Hurricane Center cautioned that Idalia's storm surge could reach heights of 16 feet in some locations near the storm center as of 8 in the morning local time. Amounts were far less than forecasted. God damn, just after sunrise, Cedar Key, Florida reported 6.07 feet of storm surge during the astronomical low tide. 
and forecasters expect a higher values, a higher value as Adelia churns more inland. This is the second highest level ever observed behind Hurricane Herman of 6.10 feet. Florida Department, the Florida Department of Transportation Secretary Jared Perdue said more than 700 crew members are using heavy equipment to reopen roads and expect bridges in Big Bend in North Florida, as well as restoring traffic lights. Yeah, I know that. One thing that we noticed as we were surveying the area, traffic signals are definitely out of power here in this area. Purdue stated, we have generators en route. We're going to be getting generators set up to get those signals powered up as quickly as possible. On Wednesday morning, floodwaters submerged a mobile home parked in St. Petersburg. I got um, peoples in St. Petersburg. The National Guard dispatched over 100 soldiers in high water vehicles to assist in all of the affected counties. According to St. Petersburg city officials, fire rescue crews rescued more than 75 people from flooding on Wednesday. Treasure Island was also covered in flood waters as Idalia's storm surge pushed inland and officials were still worried about waters rising during high tide around midday with significant flooding forecast to continue throughout the day. Oh, man. Adelia causes power outages for over 400,000 customers. As of the latest update, over 270,000 customers in Florida were experiencing power outages, with the majority of reports coming from Wakula, Taylor, Dixie, and Levi counties near Landfall areas where some residents decided to remain in their homes despite evacuation orders in at least 30 counties placed in a state of emergency. State of emergency, all right? More than 175,000 outages have been reported in Georgia as Adelia slams the state. Outages were also starting to pop up in the Carolinas on Wednesday afternoon. Days leading up to Idalia's arrival, resources were prepositioned as President Joe Biden approved Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' request for a pre-landfall emergency declaration during Idalia's landfall. An impressive, uh, convective burst and abundant lightning were seen within its eye wall. Brian. M. Finger, a storm chaser with Live Storms Media, experienced Idalia's landfall in Keaton Beach. He reported that the front of the eye wall contained strong winds, although a wind gauge recorded a gust of 83 miles per hour before toppling. Mr. M. Finger estimated gusts over 100 miles per hour. All right. After the eye passed, the winds returned with even more uh, velocity, all right, blowing onshore and bringing a wall of water with it. Mr. Infinger noted that the storm surge arrived quick quickly with the back eye wall rising several feet in just a few minutes. All right, so 
stories are still developing as we speak. Hopefully everybody is all right. Uh, I hope not to hear no death toll. I don't want to hear about that. Don't even want to report about that. Uh, like I said in the other segment that I did, I'm not scared of a category two or three. What I am worried about is category four and five. Those I run from. But category one, two, and three, the only thing that you got to worry about is flooding and power outages, you know, which can cause a lot of problems. It could cause a lot of issues for you, and it could leave you in a disarray, you know? So, uh, like me, I live inland. You know, I live in uh, Houston, Texas. We still close to the Gulf Coast. Um, uh, we still close to the coast, but I live inland. We get a lot of floods, and then we got a lot of bayous, so it can mess you up over here. But, and then I got a truck for a vehicle, so I kind of, I could get away. I don't drive little cars, sedans and stuff. I don't really, I'm a, I'm a truck driver. I like to drive big old trucks with big wheels on it and stuff. That's just, that's just, that's just the type of guy I am. So I like to drive trucks. I'm a truck driver, man. Got it from my, got it from my old man and stuff. We drive trucks down here in goddamn southern, goddamn Georgia. Like, that's how we do it down here. Yes, I was born in New York City, but guess what? I like the South. I'm a South, I'm a Southern boy at heart. My parents are from Haiti. Uh, I never liked the cold. I don't like the winter cold. I'd rather be hot than cold. So by the time I turned about 18, 19 years old, I went South. I never, I only come back to New York to visit my parents. So, hurricanes, I'm very familiar with hurricanes. But like I said, a category four and a five, I run away from those. If I see a category four about to slam the Gulf Coast, where I'm at over here, like in the New Orleans area and Texas area, if I see a category four or higher, coming towards me, I'm going to run. I'm going to go to Austin, Texas and take cover. But if it's a category one, two, or three, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a fight it. I might get flood, but like I said, I got a truck, so I'm going to jump in the truck and just drive the hell off. You know? Like, you prepare for power outages. You will get power outages. I remember that before. Uh, hurricane What's the hurricane? Hurricane Harvey. I ran from that. That's on bitch right there. Hurricane Harvey hit in 2017. I ran from that motherfucker. I jumped in my car, grabbed my bags, uh, put everything in storage, and I drove off. I ain't come back a month later. All right. So 2017 was a sick year when Hurricane Harvey made landfall on the Gulf Coast. And plus, I'm a thrill seeker, so I'm not really scared of anything. When something catastrophic comes my way, you know, I face it like Batman. I like danger and shit, you know. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a thrill seeker. When I see something crazy coming my way, I like to face it. Like, motherfucker, come on with it, goddammit. I'm ready. That's just how I am. 
I don't know why I'm like that, but, you know, I like to face danger and shit. I like to test my wits. But anyway, I'm going to cut this apple pie short and sweet like I always do. All right? Subscribe to my YouTube. That is Box Benji, B-O-X-B-E-N-J-I. That's the same name that you can use to follow me on Instagram as well as TikTok. You just type it in the search engine, Box Benji, B-O-X-B-E-N-J-I, and you will find your man right here. Yes, sir. All right? I'm very active in TikTok. I got most of my stuff on TikTok. Um, TikTok is very entertaining. There was a once upon a time I didn't care for TikTok and I didn't give a shit about TikTok. All right? So one of my friends, my colleagues told me, hey, man, you need to be on TikTok for real if you want to get your um, platform up and running. And she was right. You know, my platform is up and running ever since I jumped on TikTok. Instagram is okay, but it's nothing like TikTok. TikTok is a vibe. But anyway, follow your man, Ben's Pharrell, thinking out loud, all right? Box Benji, B-O-X-B-E-N-J-I, right? So I'm going to holler at you later on another segment. Peace. Gonna turn it up, please. Them hard nights. Party at the Bodega.